the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. How about those Royals? Now 11-5, and five, the best record in the AL as Moose Young, the bullpen and company that get it done impressively here on a Friday night, 4-2 to two over Baltimore. They ensure no worse than a 500 homestand at 3-3 three and three and get game one of three against the O's. It's Davo, and I'm glad you're along for a Friday edition of Clubhouse Conversation, where we are going to, of course, look at the rest of this series, the next couple of games coming up, which I don't mean to you know spoil this for you, but they look really good for the Royals on paper. We'll explain and tell you why coming up in just a few. But first, a tough call tonight for player of the game because there's two ways to go. There's Chris Young, six innings, two runs, 10 strikeouts. I didn't realize Bob Feller was throwing tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. Chris Young, who had renewed velocity, according to the Kauffman Stadium radar gun, which could have also been hanging out with Chris Colabello earlier in the day. Too soon for that joke? Maybe the radar gun might have been a little bit juiced there. But who knows? Chris Young pitched great. Could we, should, should we go there? Or should we go Mike Moustakis for player of the game? Moose, three out of four. A two-run jack on the second pitch of the game for the Royals. Three RBIs, a run, two doubles, opposite field. Now OPSing on the year. 1,004, 1.004, over 1,000. You all see these other teams that have players like that, like Manny Machado, for example, and you always wish the Royals did, even if it's only three weeks into the season, and then finally they have it with Moose for at least one more bat going into tomorrow. So, you know, tonight, who do I go with? I'm going Mike Moustakis. We're going to give Moose player of the game because Young was amazing, obviously, and just what the doctor ordered for this ball club, for the bullpen, for everybody involved. You know, namely being himself as well. Don't need any grumbles of, well, he pitched bad again. Do we give him one more start or put him in the bullpen? He puts that to rest. Love that. Great job by Chris Young. But he still gave up two, right? And Moose scored three in his own. So there you go. That's my inexact reason for giving it to Moose. I mean, either one is obviously very deserving. But yeah, I mean, Moose did it all tonight. Not only did he give Chris Young some room to work with against a potent Baltimore lineup two through five. Yeah, murderer's row there, right? Machado, Jones, Davis, Trumbo, and some other nice players around that lineup as well. At least some guys who used to hit or could hit that aren't having great seasons so far. But, you know, plenty of power in that lineup. And we saw what Trumbo missed a home run by five to six feet. We saw... You know, Davis did nothing tonight, but he missed a home run barely down the right field line. We saw Machado hit one that still hasn't come down. So you see the kind of power they have. And it was just great seeing the Royals beat them tonight. Chris Young leading the way. And like I said, Moose making the nice defensive play at third as well to end the second inning. Yeah, nice little play. Getting a, a big out there on defense. It wasn't of the, you know, spectacular variety. Although a lot of third basemen would have made it look spectacular if they made the play at all, because they'd be diving and you know all that stuff. But Moose just looks like a routine play for this team, but it was a hell of a play to end that second inning for the Royals. And yes, Chris Young, I mean, how big was it for Moose to give Chris Young the confidence to pitch through Murderer's Row there that I just mentioned with a lead? 2 nothing right away. Then 3 nothing there. And then that fourth run on the second inning. It's all the Royals needed, which is good because T.J. McFarlane was nails for Baltimore. My goodness. Out of the bullpen. Yarny Gallardo did nothing tonight. 
against the Royals. You wonder how much that guy's got left at this point of his career. He used to be pretty damn good, even a couple years ago from Milwaukee. I enjoyed watching that guy in the past. Back when he was in that rotation with Grinky, it was kind of fun for Milwaukee. But yeah, I, I thought that Moose, you know, getting the offense going, and Eski first pitch, gets his first hit of the season, swinging on the first pitch. He'd been 0 for 8 previously. Gets that knock up the middle. Would have taken an amazing play by Machado to make that. He may have beaten it anyways. And then second pitch, bam. Third pitch, Kane, bam, single. I mean, I just think it gave Chris Young a little bit more confidence. And I'm not saying, I'm not one of those people who always says, oh, well, he's pitching against their number one, so he's not going to pitch well. That means he's going to lose. It's too much pressure. And Chris Young's a veteran. He knows he's pitching against a lineup more than an opposing pitcher, obviously. But when you get a little run support there, you know, th- that's nice. You're pitching against more than a lineup when you've got a little bit of run support. You've got a little room to wiggle, a little bit of room to execute your pitches and not worry so much if somebody hits one 600 feet. You know, a four-run lead, three-run lead, it's huge. So Mike Moustakis, Royals offense, did just enough early before McFarland came in and shut the door. Thank goodness that kid's not going to pitch again the rest of the series, man. Getting five innings at him, we get done with him now. Man, he was good tonight. Give him a lot of credit in this game as well. Obviously, he would be Baltimore's player of the game if I was doing the Baltimore post game. And one other thing about Moose before we get to Chris Young. I mean, not only does he have the six home runs, not only the OPS we just talked about, but the ability to go the opposite way. Both doubles tonight right down the left field line. And let's kind of compare guys that are known traditionally as dead pull hitters, which Moose was before spring training of last year. He's become a complete hitter now, but te- and teams have adjusted. Most teams aren't playing him near as dramatically as they were. And even Baltimore, not near as dramatically as they have in the past. But the case of two hitters, Chris Davis versus Mike Moustakis. And obviously, Chris Davis, a much more accomplished hitter than Mike Moustakis. Chris Davis, a much more big-time home run threat than Mike Moustakis, despite the fact that Moose is pacing for 60 home runs right now. But I'm, I'm comparing two guys here, and I'm explaining to you why Mike Moustakis is a more complete hitter with that said, and why he impresses me more, and I think he has, he may have more upside at this point almost than Davis. I don't think he ever puts up the years Davis has had, although Davis does have Camden Yards at his disposal, which you can basically tack on 10 more home runs to Moose if he was hitting at Camden Yards as well, and in some of those lineups Davis had back in the day. You know, the protection he has, and guys like Adam Jones around him, but, you know, and, and Machado, a couple in front of him, you know, great lineup. See a lot of fastballs with and guys out of stretches and in a, in a little bandbox ballpark. So, you know, but but Moose, talking about the shift, what did we see Chris Davis do in his first at bat tonight against Chris Young? What we saw was a three pitch strikeout because Chris Davis tried to beat the Royal shift. Completely dramatic shift, and more so, obviously, the Musa. Wasn't that nuts, by the way? Watch it tomorrow. Omar Infante is like almost in foul territory. I've, I've never seen a defensive shift quite like that, where Omar Infante is literally 15 feet from the foul line in right field. It was bizarre. But Chris Davis tried to beat it. He tried to bunt in the first pitch, kind of pulled back, took a strike, bunted through, missed a bunt, got down 0-2. So before he could even get settled in for the bat, he's down 0-2, takes a fastball down the middle, Bam, one of your three or four bats. Well, I guess four of the road team getting four bats. One of your four bats, bam, is gone now. You just wasted it in a bat right there because the shift got in your head. A, 
trying to change your game. You know, the Royals are saying, fine, you want to get a, a little bunt single or hit the other way? You try to aim it over here. We know you can't do it, but if you can, take your single. So my point being, the Royals got in a great hitter's head with the shift. The Royals got a free out there. And my point being, Mike Moustakis has been able to adjust to this. I mean, Chris Davis has been seeing this for quite some time. Mike Moustakis, though, can easily just slap the ball the other way now. He's a complete hitter. He did it twice tonight. So that's kind of my point. You got Moose in the two-hole doing great things for the Royals. This is, I don't mean this whole dish to only be about Moustakis. We're eight minutes in, and I'm just only talking about Mike Moustakis pretty much. We're going to get to Chris Young in the bullpen, I promise. I'm just trying. I really think Mike Moustakis, while he's getting credit, doesn't get enough credit for this team. That, to me, was something that stood out, though. Just the whole comparison of the shift and how Moose beat it with ease, swinging the bat, and Davis, the Royals got in his head, and he gave away in a bat because of it. Just an example. And I, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to compare because I just admitted to you that Chris, you know, Davis has obviously had a better career than Moose has, and he probably all as well. But something about Moose is becoming a complete hitter, and I almost think he's almost, in a way, a more complete hitter than Chris Davis. And maybe if he played at Camden Yards... With that lineup around him for all these years, he and maybe he still will. I mean, maybe he will turn into a perennial 25, 30, 35 home run guy, that being Moose. you got to think the guy's got four to six more years at a peak level. Could happen this year. And it could have happened last year and the year before had he played in Camden Yards as well. So I don't know why this turned into Chris. I don't know why. I didn't set out to compare Chris Davis to Mike Moustakis for an entire dish here. So let's move on to the other Chris tonight. That being Young. Wow. Who who saw this coming? Nobody did. I mean, maybe you saw the six innings, two runs. Maybe you thought a team who hadn't seen Young in a couple of years, a fly ball hitting team that you know is going to try to overswing and do too much. You know, didn't get into town until four a.m. to their hotel last night. I mean, maybe you saw a good start coming from Young. The law of averages coming back around for him as well. But nobody saw ten strikeouts in six innings. The most Chris Young's had in a game since two thousand eight. Six innings, two runs, four hits. 10 strikeouts and one walk. And what was going on? Like I said earlier, do we have like a juiced radar gun? Is Chris Colabello, Jose Bautista, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, these guys been sharing things with the gun here? 89. I saw Chris Young hit 90 on more than one occasion with the fastball tonight. And according to the gun, he was consistent 88-89 with the fastball. What is going on? Is there some new mechanical adjustment that Dave Island worked on with him? Did he just say, F it, I'm going to let it all out? Did he drink extra Red Bull? Or was the gun just juiced? Who cares? Whatever it was, it worked, right? Man. Chris Young. You you can't say enough about what Chris Young did tonight. And you came into the season a bit concerned about the Royals' rotation. And you, and you still have to be. It's still, here it comes. You know what's coming here if you listen to the show a lot. It's still small sample size. We're barely into the season. We're like a game and a half into the NFL season right now. So obviously it's very early in the season. But you got to love what you see out of this rotation, especially if between Chris Young and Mike Miner, let's say, and maybe Dylan G for a couple starts. You know, if if those guys can even – forget the strikeouts. If those guys can give you six innings, three runs – you pair that with what Volquez has become on a contract year. You pair that with what Ian Kennedy has become, especially with his defense and hitters that haven't seen him much. You pair that with your Dono Ventura, who, to me, his last start was the most impressive. He's turned into a complete pitcher. The line wasn't the most impressive. He's walking too many hitters. We'll talk about that a bit later. But you pair that with those guys and Chris Medlin on a contract year. I mean, he's done it before. you got to think he's going to be at least decent. 
And remember, you only need three to four of these guys to start in the playoffs. I mean, wow, you you pair that with this bullpen in the defense that continues to somehow get better. I don't know how it gets better. And again, there's no way to measure that or quantify that, but I promise you it's better this year. Promise you, as I'm sure you agree if you watch this team on a day-in and day-out basis, and that's saying a lot. But let's get to the bullpen, too, tonight. Let's not leave out Luke Hochaver, a guy who doesn't get a lot of credit. Finally came in for a clean inning tonight, right? Luke was up behind Chris Young in the sixth, came in in the seventh, and battled his command a bit with most of his pitches, but the cutter was there tonight at 88. The cutter just dropped off the table. There's a couple nasty cutters he threw that just moved around. One hit, he gave up in the seventh with a K, and again, he wasn't... At the top of his game, command-wise and stuff-wise. But, but that cutter got him out. You know, As a one-inning guy, a lot of times, and, and that's probably a, a decent reason why guys like Luke Hochaver and Wade Davis have been able to go from pretty much failed starters. Let's be real here. They're pretty much both failed starters, but they've been able to go into bona fide essential closers. I mean, Hochaver is essentially a closer on 20-plus teams in the major leagues. They've become closers because they, they've always had the stuff, the makeup, but A, they can air it all out velocity-wise, get a couple miles an hour. And B, if it's only seeing each hitter once, if that, you know, three, four at-bats a night, you can get through it on a short term with just one pitch because they can't make adjustments and see patterns. You know, Jeff Montgomery used to say that. He, he'd have four pitches, and he would usually ditch one by the time he came out to the game, maybe throw three of them because he knew one wasn't working. But... There was a nights where he didn't have it, where he only had one of his pitches maybe. He didn't have the command or didn't feel comfortable. And he could live off of that pitch one time facing each hitter or three you know, three or four bats total, five at bats total, because there's no patterns and they don't see it enough. So, I mean, that's those are the two reasons, obviously, the main two reasons why these guys become great relievers. And Dayton Moore has become a genius at this. And I think Danny Duffy could be his next big project, him and Dave Island, Ned Yost, et cetera. I think Danny Duffy is going to be traveling down that path and become a Jeremy Affelt throughout the remainder of his career as well. Now, Kelvin Herrera, wow. the best I Maybe the best he's looked all year. And the second most impressive thing tonight, next to the Mike Moustakis going the opposite way and the, and the you know the Chris Davis stuff I talked about earlier, the second most thing that stuck out to me tonight was the Kelvin Herrera 1-2-3-8 with a K and the impressive at-bat against Manny Machado. What a stud Manny Machado is. There's some fun players to watch in baseball right now. Your Bryce Harpers, your Mike Trouts, your Chris Bryants, your Carlos Correas, your Manny Machados, on and on. So many fun young position players. George Springer, so many fun young position players, on and on and on, all over the league. There's a good 10 to 12 of them that you have to put in the borderline could be Hall of Famer someday category if they stay healthy. Well, the Royals have one. Salvador Perez stays healthy, has five to seven more pretty big 20-plus home run years, continues to be a gold glover, and all-star. You could be dreaming of Salvi in five to seven years. Way too early to talk about that, but I would say he's you know the lone guy in the Royals that has that potential. But just saying, and I'm not, I'm not putting Salvi in the same category as those game-changers offensively, but just saying there are some fun young position players and guys entering their prime throughout Major League Baseball. But yeah, Manny Machado, the, the, the thing that impressed me during that at-bat was that he broke two of his bats in three pitches. Just cracked them. Bam, bam. And got it in his hands. I mean, and you saw Manny kind of nodding his head yes at the, at the nasty breaking ball Herrera threw for strike two and then a bat. And he was just kind of looking like, man, yeah, that's a strike. Yeah, you're right. Good pitch. Man, wow. Throw it again. Wow. You know, it was like, it was like mutual respect. It, it was just a cool moment in the game to me. That respect that he showed Herrera and then the crack into bats like that. That just was cool to me. A good night for Kelvin Herrera after a great night for Chris Young and Hochaver. Same thing for Herrera as well. Then Wade Davis, one, two, three. Wade Davis, not quite the velocity we've seen consistently. Who knows what's going on there? Dead arm, who knows? I would imagine at some point this year you'll see Wade Davis get a 10 days off, seven days off, 
like we've saw you know, a couple times last year there was what, what was it like eight or nine day stretch he didn't pitch once in there he never went into the dl but i think there was an eight or nine stretch eight day stretch or a game stretch where he didn't pitch last year i suspect some point hopefully hopefully we'll be able to see that if the royals can continue to rack up the wins and we talked about this last year how important it is right now people all say oh the september games are so much more important that's when it really counts they all count the same you do good enough in april and may then you've got wiggle room in September doesn't mean as much because hopefully you have a nice lead and September becomes about setting up your rotation for the playoffs, getting healthy and, you know, clenching home field and that kind of fun stuff. Not worrying about clenching a playoff spot. We saw that last year. How, how nice was that? You know, and, I, and the Royals aren't going to run away with the division like they did last year. That's not going to happen. There's much more capable teams than there were in the Minnesota Twins and company last year. I still think Cleveland's the second best team, but the White Sox are starting to make a small believer out of me. Mr. Rodon, if he continues to, you know, become the pitcher they think he will, continues continues on that positive trajectory. Matt Latos is always a concern to stay healthy. What a great one-year deal that could end up being. Sale, because of his build, not totally sold. He'll be healthy the whole year. Wasn't real impressed with his three-strikeout performance against the Angels a couple days ago. Although he gave up one run, so how can I not be impressed? Maybe because I had him in DraftKings and I'm pissed off he only got me three strikeouts, if we're being totally honest here. <laughs> But, you know, that, that's, a, that's a pretty dangerous team. When you, you know, Quintana, who is the most underrated pitcher in the league, or, for sure. For sure. Look at the numbers. Three, 200 innings, three years in a row. Never hear about the guy. Eats up innings in the threes. Another win tonight, by the way, for Quintana. Continue. No one talks about him. Nobody. You never hear his name. But, I, you know, I thought Cleveland coming in had a better rotation. And a lineup that was underrated and maybe when they get Michael Brantley back, that'll help them get going a little bit more, but kind of underwhelming from Cleveland so far. Long season though. I still think Detroit and Minnesota finish up in the basement in this division, but you got to wonder about Cleveland's bullpen when they've got guys like Jabba Chamberlain out there and the White Sox at least have Mr. Robertson there at the back end. So there you go. Terrific win for the Royals tonight. Didn't mean to turn this into an AL Central, you know, prediction forecast here either. We're, we're having fun tonight, though. Whatever. All right, next two games of the series. Let's get to it. Tyler Wilson, his first start of the year, the first time the Royals have ever seen this right-hander, tomorrow night, 6-15, against Chris Medlin, 1-0 with a 2-3-8. Wilson did get in nine games last year at the big league level, 3.50 ERA, and he has 44 total innings in the major leagues with... 17 strikeouts. I've become such a firm believer with strikeouts per innings pitch, especially at the minor league level. You look at prospects, if they're not striking out very close to a hitter per inning or more, to me, they're not a big prospect because that's probably not going to translate to missing enough bats once the, you, know, you get to the major leagues and you have better hitters and all that stuff. You can't miss bats. You, you know, Balls get hit in play are going to fall in there, what, almost what 28% of the time, give or take. Got to be able to miss some bats. This kid is not, especially at the major league level. Just 17 Ks and 44. A team like the Royals with that big park, you know, and I, I predicted this with Zimmerman the other night, and I looked like an idiot. Although Zimmerman obviously had a completely different level than Tyler Wilson. I like the Royals a lot to score runs for that for that reason, though. 44 MLB innings pitched, 17 strikeouts, and again, he has almost no experience, so I'm sure he'll continue to get better. He's got good stuff. Low 90s is where he sits with the fastball. Don't know a lot about him. I can't sit here and tell you all about his breaking pitches and all that good stuff. Throws the basics, though. Low 90s is where he will sit. Tyler Wilson, the majority of the time, just 44 innings in the big league level, and not a single Royal hasn't a bat against him. Now, Chris Medlin comes off six and a third, one earned run on two hits against Oakland, four strikeouts, four walks, and a bit of a battle, but he had a, a bad strike zone on that Sunday afternoon game. I do like the Royals again tomorrow in a higher scoring game. I, I think you're going to see Baltimore put some runs on the board. Not that that's really that bold of a prediction. 
Six five Royals, five four Royals, seven six Royals, seven four, something like that tomorrow night. Royals get it done. Mike Wright, Yordano Ventura in the finale on Sunday afternoon. Another right hander. Now Wright throws considerably harder. When I could say when I say considerably harder, three to four miles per hour. Sits closer to the mid nineties, ninety four, ninety three. He'll take on Yordano Ventura. Wright has a five seven three ERA, one and one. Ventura one and zero with a two eight one. Now Wright last start against Toronto. Six innings, three runs on six hits. He struck out four and walked three. No Royal has seen right more than three times. However, you're going to like this stat. For you know, speaking of DraftKings, for you DraftKings out there on Sunday, Lorenzo Cain has seen Mr. Wright three times, and he's hit two home runs off of him. Two for three with two home runs for Locaine. Ventura walking too many guys, like we said. 12 on the season in 16 innings, though he does have 17 Ks. So the missing bats at a close to one inning or higher clip, and that's for the minor leagues. I'm saying double A and triple A and A ball where I want to see that from pitchers for sure. It, to me, if they're going to be bonafide major league pitchers. Major league level, don't have to quite be there, obviously. .8 is fine. You know, getting a strikeout three-fourths of the innings. But Ventura, obviously, the 17 and 16 is great, but the 12 walks have got to get much better. And hopefully they'll continue to do that as they work through his mechanics. So there you go. I like the Royals on Sunday as well. Not quite as much. I think they'll split the next two. I think they'll win tomorrow, and, and Sunday maybe you give to Baltimore. Just just a feeling. Who knows? They'll split them one way or the other. I believe the Royals will go two out of three in this series, go four and two on a great homestand before they head out for another West Coast jaunt with Angels and Mariners ahead. We got four 9 o'clock games next week, an 8 o'clock game, and a 3 o'clock game. I love West Coast trips. Anyway, sorry for a little bit longer than normal, but I wanted to go over a couple of things in depth. Got a little bit off on a rant there about Chris Davis and Mike Moustakis and the AL Central. So I guess I wanted to talk a little bit tonight. So we'll talk to you again after tomorrow night's game. Hopefully a Royals victory, I believe it will be, on Clubhouse Conversation. Go Royals. Tell a friend. Appreciate you listening. It's Davo. Have a great night.